Well, this is part two in a four-part series about the Holy Spirit, but before we get started in the message today, I actually have a few jokes for you. (laughs) That's why I had to write them down, because I'm really not a comedian. Somebody else's jokes, so don't worry, Brandon. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? Who said anything about change? How many Pentecostals does it take to change the light bulb? (laughs) Takes 10. One to change the light bulb and nine to cast out the spirit of darkness. How many Catholics does it take to change the light bulb? None. They use candles, right? (laughs) Okay, I don't just want to pick on denominations. So how many chiropractors does it take to change the light bulb? Just takes one, but it's going to take at least six visits, right? How many college students does it take to change the light bulb? I don't know. Is it going to be on the test? (laughs) The last one, how many telemarketers does it take to change the light bulb? Just one, but they're going to have to do it while you're eating dinner, right? So I share these jokes simply to remind you that we all come from different backgrounds and we kind of all have different ideas of how things should be. But as a church, we have to come together in unity on like foundational biblical principles if we want to do all that God has planned for us. And with this in mind, you guys can probably see why I was actually led to do a series about the Holy Spirit. Because if there's one thing that's like the most divisive thing in church, what is it? The Holy Spirit. Like how many of you have been in in a church that tells you that speaking in tongues is from the devil? And then how many of you have been in church that like basically you're not saved unless you speak in tongues? So arguments about the Holy Spirit split churches in half, they ruin relationships, and they, run, they even run people far away from God because of all this going on in the church. But this series about the Holy Spirit's going to do none of that. Instead, it's going to bring us into unity about the Holy Spirit so that we can all be on the same page about who the Holy Spirit is and who He wants to be in our lives. And it's not because my idea of the Holy Spirit is the right idea. It's because we're diving into the Word and we're finding out what the Word has to say about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to base our beliefs on the ultimate truth that we can find in God's Word. And as you know, there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. What's interesting is that even was going on in the early church, because in Acts 19, it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And this is where a lot of people are today. Like they, don't either, they either don't know the Holy Spirit or they don't want to know about the Holy Spirit because of the way some other person has presented the Holy Spirit. And maybe you associate the Holy Spirit with like a crazy church service. Or, or maybe somebody you really respect told you not to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit's been given a bad rap, yet he was given to us as a gift to be our friend. Like to be the best companion that you've ever had. And this is exactly what we spoke about last week. Like, the Holy Spirit is with you to give you power to do things you can't do on your own. He's there to give you refreshing when you feel like you can't take any more of life because maybe you have a newborn at home or something like that. I don't know what's going on. And last week, the, the Bible revealed to us that the Holy Spirit is not crazy. He's not spooky. He's actually really comforting, right? And all of us need the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that message if you haven't heard it already. You'll find it on our website, and it's going to bring a lot of freedom to your life. All right, so today I want to talk about a term that's probably confused most of us at some point or another, and that word is Pentecost, which is where the Pentecostal church got its name. And because of that, most of us associate the word with the Pentecostal church. You may think that it simply means you either have to like wear a lot of makeup 
or no makeup at all. Or if you're a woman, you better not cut your hair. And if you're a man, you better not let it get longer than an inch, right? I'm in trouble. In a lot of trouble. But it turns out the word Pentecost is not a denomination. It's actually a day. It's an event. You see, Acts 2.1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So let me give you a little history. So Jesus came and he lived 33 years on this earth. And then he went to the cross to pay for your sins. And then three days later, he was resurrected back to life. And after he was resurrected back to life, he actually spent 40 days here on earth in his resurrected body, kind of like traveling through walls, hanging out with people, eating with people, giving some final instruction. Then he went to heaven, and then 10 days later is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. It's something that Jesus promised would come, and guess what? It did. So Pentecost is a day. It's not a denomination, and it's actually a Jewish holiday. Actually, the Jewish people have three major holidays, kind of like we have Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. These three holidays have unique characteristics, and what Jesus decided to do was use these Jewish holidays to illustrate to us some truths that we can find in God's Word about kind of like our life and and how things are going to progress as time goes on. But here's the problem. Jewish people understand this, but we don't because they're not our holidays. So I actually want to help you understand these holidays because it's going to open your eyes to all the amazing things that God has for you and that God has for this church. And Jesus actually explained why we should actually pay attention to things in the Old Testament. Like maybe you think that we shouldn't, but let me show you why we should. Matthew 5, 17 says, don't misunderstand why I have come. Jesus talking here. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So although we no, no longer have to live like the Old Testament, aren't you thankful we don't have to sacrifice animals for our sins or rely on a priest to go talk to God for us? Because that means y'all would have to rely on me. And man, that's a lot of pressure. Man, I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. Even though we don't have to do those things, we should still embrace the principles of the Old Testament because Jesus came to like give us a fulfillment of the picture of the Old Testament he didn't say the Old Testament was worthless and just, just throw it in the trash. He didn't say that. He said he came to bring it to completion. So really, you can see Jesus and the plan that he has for your life by kind of looking at the Old Testament and looking at that picture and then relating it to who we are today. So let's go through those three holidays. The first one is Passover. So there's a good chance you've heard the story of Moses and how he led God's people out of Egypt. That's a popular Sunday school story actually saw the baby, little baby Moseses when I opened one of the kids' drawers in there today looking for something else. I was like, oh, a lot of babies in <laughs> little cribs. Kind of funny. But why, why did God's people end up in Egypt in the first place? There was a famine, and they went to Egypt for some food, and they ended up getting stuck there for 400 years. Actually, Pharaoh enslaved God's people, and he made them like build pyramids and, and things like that, make Egypt beautiful. Obviously, God didn't want his people to be slaves, so God sent Moses to get his people out of Egypt. But as you can imagine, Pharaoh didn't want to let his, the people go, because those were like his little worker bees. Those were like the people who were getting stuff done, right? So all kinds of plagues came to get Pharaoh to let go of God's people. And the tenth and final plague was that the firstborn from every family would die. God's people lived in Egypt, right? So obviously God didn't want that plague to overcome his people, so he gave them a way out. And what he told them to do was to go kill a lamb and then take the blood from that lamb and put it over the doorpost of their home. And whenever they did that, basically what God said is like, when I see that blood, I'm going to pass over your house and your children will remain unharmed. 
which is why it's called Passover. So after they got out of Egypt, an annual holiday was created for God's people to remember this moment where he spared all of their children. So this is how it went down. The Passover lamb was sacrificed at 9 a.m. And then they would put the lamb into the oven at 3 p.m. that day. And the whole purpose of this was to remind them of how it took a sacrifice to cover their sins. And like we read earlier, Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. So back then the sacrifice covered their sins, but Jesus actually came and did something a whole lot better. And what's interesting about this is that the day Jesus died was Passover. And he was actually sacrificed on Passover at 9 a.m. And then he was put in the tomb at 3 p.m. Pretty cool, huh? But his sacrifice didn't cover our sins. It did something much better. Jesus' sacrifice removed our sins, like obliterated them. And if you think I'm making this up, let me show it to you in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, this is New Testament. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So Jewish people get it. But for us, this Scripture may have not meant much to you until today. But now that we've talked about Passover, I hope it's making a little bit more sense to you. To sum it all up, Passover was created for one reason, because Passover represents salvation. Just like God saved the firstborn of those who used the blood of the Lamb, Jesus saved your life through his blood. And this salvation has nothing to do with you, because just like in the Old Testament, it was the Lamb who had to give its life to save the firstborn. Well, Jesus is the one who had to give his life to save yours. You can't do it. It has nothing to do with how good you are, how many things you've done right. Nope, it's Jesus who saves you. And he didn't just cover your sin and everything you've done wrong. He obliterates it. It's gone. Ephesians says it this way, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. You know what? This is something we have to establish before we move on. Because to receive salvation, you don't have to pray a certain amount of time. You don't have to join this church, and you don't even have to keep coming to church, although I'd like you to. Salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it, and your bad behavior can't even take it away. It's yours. It's a gift by the grace of God. So I want you to listen to me. Salvation is not a reward. It's a gift. And it's not the kind that your friend gives you, expecting something else in return. Like, this is a legit gift. No take backs. It is what it is. I need you to understand this before we move on because so many people get stuck into thinking that like the reason we pray and read our Bible and serve our church and give to our church is to earn or keep our salvation. And yes, God wants you to do all these things, but they have nothing to do with salvation. Absolutely nothing. You're saved from hell because Jesus paid the price and God gave this as a gift. And the only part you play in your salvation is to receive the gift by believing. So the first holiday is Passover, which represents salvation, and the second holiday we're going to talk about is Pentecost. You know, what's interesting is if you break this word up, the word penta means five, and the word kos means to the tenth power. In other words, Pentecost means 50. So let me show you guys how scary this word really is. 50. That's right. Run for your lives, because that word can really make some crazy things happen, right? Remember how Jesus hung out on earth for 40 days after his resurrection? And then 10 days after that, the Holy Spirit came? What's 40 plus 10? 50. So now you can see where the word came from, right? And just like we read earlier, Pentecost is a Jewish holiday, and they even had it in the Old Testament. 
This may be news to some of you. It was news to me, actually, whenever I heard it. So have you heard of the time when Moses went up on the mountain to receive the law from God? Like the time when the Ten Commandments were written out on stone? Well, this is quite the experience, because a cloud descended with a loud noise and fire, and then God came and wrote these commandments on stone tablets. Like, that'd be pretty cool to watch. I don't know about you. But what's funny about this is that at the same time, like God's people were at the base of the mountain waiting for Moses to come back, and they got a little impatient. And so they like built this calf out of gold, and they said, we're going to worship this instead of worshiping God. Turned out this was a pretty big mistake because like they're at the base of the mountain. God's like up on the mountain. Like he's just like right there, and they're like, let's make a calf. And because of that, 3,000 people, 3,000 of God's people died in one day. All this happened, get this, 50 days after Passover. So the Jewish people have been celebrating Pentecost ever since, 50 days after Passover. So back to the day of Pentecost that was mentioned in Acts. I want to look at how the day the law was given, how it parallels to the day the Holy Spirit was given. And you'll read in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit descended with a loud noise and fire. And this time God wrote his law not on stone, but he wrote it on our hearts. He came to live on the inside of us. And here's the best part. Nobody died that day. Instead, 3,000 people were saved that day. How cool is that? So it's like the beautiful like mirror image of the, of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And now that I've explained all this to you, let me show it to you in Scripture. It's in Acts 1. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now the question is, like, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Isn't salvation enough? Well, Acts 1.8 tells us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. The day of Pentecost has nothing to do with salvation. Remember, we already talked about Passover, which is the holiday that represents salvation. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. can't be taken away. You just have to receive it. And then the next step, if you want all that God has for you, is to allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and receive his power. Why do we need this power? Because the Holy Spirit gives you power to make a difference by being his witness. You see, the day of Pentecost, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, is not so we can have wild church services, or goosebumps, or like falling out, or running around. Not saying that none of those things have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying like that's not the reason that he's here. No, the purpose of Pentecost is to give you the power that you need to live your life in a way that makes a difference in the lives of those around you. We're talking about power to lead people to Jesus, and to save them from an eternity in hell. So although the good things we do can't save us, they're still an essential part of our lives. Like, we can't just sit back and say, well, I'm saved, and I can't do anything to earn it, and I can't do anything to take it away, so I'm just going to do what I want to. Because when you live your life with that attitude, you're going to live a powerless life. And you're going to miss opportunities not just to change somebody else's life, but to change their eternity. So we read our Bible, we pray, we remain faithful to our church, and we live a generous life, not because we want to be saved, but because we are saved, and we want to live our lives in a way that matters. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power to do this because you can't do it on your own. You're going to wear out, and you'll be shy, and you'll be reserved. But with the Holy Spirit, you'll be empowered to be a witness for Jesus. All right, let's talk about the third holiday, and that's tabernacles. 
The first two holidays we talked about happened close together in the spring, and this one happened later on in the fall, uh, right around harvest time. And basically it was a holiday to remember when the Israelites wandered around the wilderness for 40 years before they made it to their permanent home, the promised land. Because to Jewish people, the word tabernacles means like a portable house or like a tent. So in other words, there was a period of time where they weren't in their permanent home yet. They were just wandering around before they came to their permanent home, the promised land. So how does, how does this Old Testament holiday relate to us today? Well, you're living on a temporary earth. This is not your permanent home. Just like we talked about a few, mes- a few weeks ago in the message called, You Only Live Twice, Yolt. This life on earth is just like a short blip, and then it's like whew, eternity in heaven, right? This keeps on going. But before all this happens, the Bible tells us that there has to be a great harvest of people who come to know Jesus. And that's what we're waiting on. So now that I've explained the holiday to you and how it applies to us today, let me show you some scripture. 1 Thessalonians says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves, and then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So tabernacles represents the second coming of Jesus. So there's three major holidays because there's three things that you need to know about your walk with God. It all starts with Passover. It all starts with Jesus and the gift of salvation that he gave you. And you can't earn it, but you have to receive it by believing that what Jesus did for you on the cross obliterated your sin. And then God has an assignment for us. And the things he has for us to do are not to earn salvation. They're not to even earn God's love, because we already have that. But he does have an assignment for you, and it's too big for you. You can't do it on your own. You're going to need power to pull it off, which is exactly why Pentecost exists. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to give you power you need to fulfill God's plan for your life. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about. And all this is to lead to tabernacles or the second coming of Jesus. But for this to happen, there has to be a great harvest of people who come to know Jesus. And that brings like an entirely new light to the scripture we read earlier, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to do what? Be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And now you see how all three holidays tie together. And now you can see how important it is that every single one of us allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives because we all need to be doing this. So I want to break down exactly what the power of the Holy Spirit enables you to do. And I'm going to give you three things. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. Remember how we talked about in Pentecost, the Pentecost in the Old Testament was when God gave the law written on tablets? Well, some of you are still trying to live that way. Like you... You have all these things you want to do better or, or not do, kind of written, written out, but, but you keep messing it up. Because the truth is, you know you need to do it or you know you need to stop doing it, but you really don't want to. You're in this battle between right and wrong and you don't know how to win it. Well, when you allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you, he starts to write that law on the inside, on your heart. So you don't have to obey it, you become it. Isn't that cool? Doing what's right becomes your nature. It becomes who you are, not something that you're trying to do. And because you stopped trying to do it in your own power and you allowed the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Again, is this something I'm making up because it sounds good? Nope. Let me show it to you in Scripture. Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit living in you. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He begins to do a transforming work on the inside of us. I'm not obeying a set of Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments have become part of who I am. 
And it's not that I have to do it, I want to do it. And I want you guys to have that too, because it's a whole lot easier and a whole lot more enjoyable to live that way than to try to fight your own sinful nature with your own power, because you just can't do it. Now, one of the best things about this kind of life, you know, where you let the Holy Spirit come upon you and give you power is that he guides you into old truth. Like, he'll talk to you and give you direction. He'll speak to your heart and he'll say, don't take that job because I have something better for you. Or don't, don't go there because I have something better for you. And here's how the Bible explains it in Isaiah. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. So a few years ago, I had this awesome job. Like, I loved what I was doing. I was good at it. And they paid me really well. And actually, like, six months into the job, they loved me so much that they gave me a 50% raise. Crazy. Like, unheard of. And I believe God put me there because it was part-time and it worked along with my schedule of what I was doing here at church at the time. It also gave me time to build my own business on the side. And then two and a half years in, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said, it's time for you to go. I have something better for you. And to be honest, I had a really hard time believing that was the Holy Spirit. I mean, why would God call me away from a job that seemed so perfect? Like it didn't make any sense. So I ignored the Holy Spirit's direction. And I kept working there, and the most profound thing happened. With every passing month, I became more and more frustrated. Like the job I loved became the job that drove me crazy. I went from feeling confident in what I was doing to feeling like I was messing everything up. And six months into my disobedience, I couldn't take it anymore. And so it took me six months, but I did decide to listen to the Holy Spirit, finally, and put in my two weeks' notice. And then guess what happened? One week into my last two weeks at the job, Beth finds out she's pregnant with our first kiddo. So here I am giving up a job that provides a significant amount of income for my family. At the same time, my family's growing. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense why the Holy Spirit would ask me to leave, right? No. No, it doesn't. It didn't make sense at all. And in hindsight, I can see why the Holy Spirit like nudged me to leave the job six months earlier because it would have been a whole lot less stressful if I would have done it then instead of waiting six months. But get this, God still worked it out. I went, I went through with it and quit the job and they were begging me to stay. I was like, nope, I got to do this. I'm, I've been here six months disobedient. I'm, I'm doing it anyway. And then God showed up and now I'm providing for my family of five way better than I ever could have if I would have kept that job. I didn't see this, though, back then, whenever I had it. It was scary, y'all. It was scary. But this is the benefit of allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon you because he empowers you to make right decisions even when they're hard and even when they don't make sense and even when you don't want to. And on top of all this, he's patient, and he'll work on your heart to do what God is leading you to do even when it doesn't make sense. All right, here's the second thing. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. So if you want to do all this on your own, then you guys just go ahead and live your natural life. But don't you know that God wants more for you than that? Like he wants you to live the kind of life that Jesus lived whenever he was here those 33 years. And we don't have a hard time believing that Jesus lived a supernatural life. Like we're like, yeah, of course, Jesus lived a supernatural life. But me, me live a supernatural life? I don't know. That's just a little bit out there. Yet it was recorded in the Bible that this is what Jesus said. He said, you will do greater things than I did when I go to be with the Father. And he's with the Father now, which means we should be doing greater things, right? 
We're not talking about spooky things, and we're not even talking about crazy things. When you read about the life of Jesus, people were like running towards him because of his supernatural life. They weren't running away from him because he was a crazy charismatic. They, so you got to stop thinking that like you have to be all weird to live a supernatural life. Like, why can't you just go about, live your life, and unafraid to lay hands on the sick and see him recover, unafraid to leave people to Jesus? And here's how the Bible explains it. And you know that Jesus anointed Jesus, and God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Didn't say anything about living a crazy, charismatic life. Like, that's not what you get from this verse. This is like the life that we're supposed to be living right here. Like, Jesus had power from the Holy Spirit to do what? What's the first thing mentioned? Good. Go around doing good and then healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Like, he wasn't anointed to draw attention to himself for being a crazy, super spiritual person. No, he was anointed to live his life to help people in amazing ways, supernatural ways. And it's the same for us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live supernaturally so that we can help people. Because the power of God to heal our physical bodies is still here today. And the power of God to deliver us from those habits, those strongholds, those things that you keep doing that you don't want to do anymore, that same power to deliver you from those oppressions of the devil is still here today. But it's up to us to see this happening in our world. And the only way we're going to see it is if we allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us and receive his power and walk in it. And here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission. So, you know, sometimes we get stuck in the idea that church is for us. Like, I come to get fed spiritually, and I come to get refreshed, and I come to get my needs met, and I come because I like the music, and they have free coffee, and to see my friends. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Back there. None of these things are bad things, but let me let you all on a little secret, in on a little secret. Church isn't about you. <laughs> the whole reason the church exists is to go about doing good. In the name of Jesus, we're here to feed the hungry. We're here to, here to heal the sick. We're here to take care of widows and orphans and encourage those who are in prison. And we're here to take the gospel into the whole world. And the mission that God has given the church is far beyond what any of us can do in our own power. Even the biggest church out there, even Life Church, can, can fulfill this on their own. So how many of you have ever been overwhelmed with like all the things that need Jesus in our world? It's kind of like you're standing at the base of the mountain and like looking up and you can't even see the top. And you're thinking like, how are we going to fix this? Like, can my life really make a big enough difference for this to matter? Can this small church in Owasso really make a big enough difference to matter in the kingdom of God? Well, let me tell you, you can't do it. Even your best effort isn't going to come close to what God wants to do through your life or through this church, but when you receive power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to empower you to do everything that God needs you to do, your specific assignment. He'll tell you to go here or go there, talk to this person, talk to that person. He'll give you the boldness you need and the words to say to lead people to Jesus, and he'll give you the power you need to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And you don't have to worry about if you're doing enough. All you need to do is let the Holy Spirit come upon you, give you power, and then follow his step-by-step -step instruction. And you see, when you're trying to live out God's plan for your life and your own strength, you're going to get worn out. Like you're never going to feel like you're doing enough. And you'll always feel like a failure. But get out of your own strength and invite the Holy Spirit to come upon you and give you power 
And then our core scripture is going to come alive in your life. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And this is what I want to see in your life. Like, this is what motivates me to prepare these messages and show up here every Sunday and deliver them. Because God has an amazing plan and purpose for your life. And even your wildest dream doesn't even compare to what he actually wants to do in your life. You can't dream it up. I can't dream it up. Even my dreams for you aren't even close to what God wants to do in your life. And for us to live our best life, you know that one that God planned for each of us right before, or before we were even born, we have to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and allow it to work in our lives. Can't do without it. So as we close today, I actually want to address like one more elephant in the room when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because you see, there's people, whenever they actually start to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, they, they can get overcome with pride. And they kind of like walk, walk around with this chip on their shoulder and make everybody else in the church feel like a second-class Christian. I don't know if you've ever been around a person like that. And, they, and let me tell you, though, like, that's not going to happen here at No Limits. Not going to happen. I don't spend one moment thinking that I'm better than you guys. Because even though, like, most people would think I'm the most important person here because I'm the lead pastor, I know that I'm not. Like, my calling's not better than yours. It's just different. That's all it is. And regardless of, like, where we are in our spiritual journeys, whether you're just getting started or you're further down the line and the Holy Spirit's really working in your life— None of us should look down on others who are in a different place in their journey, ever. We're all, we're all here to help each other. We're all here to go on this journey together. And anytime that thought pops into your mind that you're better than somebody else because maybe you don't sin as much or maybe you can speak in tongues or whatever it is, you better realize that that's pride. And pride's from the enemy. And you better kick it out as soon as it comes in. Because the enemy has used pride in regards to the Holy Spirit to destroy churches, to destroy relationships, and run people far away from God. But let me tell you, it's not going to happen here. We will never see ourselves as better than another church or better than another denomination because of these things. We will never have an elite group of Christians within our church that think they're better than everybody else in the church. No, we're going to be a family that supports and cares for each other. Like, we're going to be patient and understanding that sometimes it takes people like Cade six months to obey the Holy Spirit, and we're going to love each other unconditionally. In other words, like, this is a safe place for you to pursue all that God has for you, because you can't do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what? Everything I just said can be summed up into this one statement. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. So the next two weeks, we're actually going to dive into the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how to receive power of the Holy Spirit. So I hope these first two weeks have kind of like disarmed all those negative things that people have said about the Holy Spirit or those negative experiences you've had at church in the past about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is not spooky and he's not crazy. The Holy Spirit is the power of God that empowers you to make a difference. All right, y'all, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and that you gave him to us as a gift. First of all, we thank you for salvation, that we can come to you with boldness, knowing that our sins have been obliterated from now into the future. There's nothing we can do to earn it or get it taken away, God. We are yours. We're your children, and we can come to you with boldness. And we come to you with boldness now and ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit, God. We want your power working in our lives so that we can be your witnesses. God, use this church in a mighty way. We will never get stuck in the idea that we're too small to do anything. God, we're going to do exactly what you've called us to do in our individual lives, and as a church body. In Jesus' name, amen.